This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It's always fun to have an opportunity to talk to our next guest, of course, a uh, Colorado local native, a football player, Montbello grad, CU, CU football, CU Boulder. And, of course, you can catch him over at CBS News Colorado doing, well, just about, you know, everything when he's not calling football games. So, I mean, it's always <laughs> terrific to talk to Justin Adams. You can follow Justin on social at Justin Adams TV. Uh, good to talk to you, my friend. Obviously, uh, only a couple football games left this season. And, and to, to many folks, this is is often, I know the wild card week is fun. Uh, I love the divisional rounds, but this is this is where the heavyweights come out. And now we're looking at two Big time matchups. And when I I brought it up with Sandy about an hour ago to start the show, what I like about these four teams is there's every sort of potential matchup you can envision. I think makes for a compelling story. Oh, in every way, right? You could talk about every team and go down the line and say how how compelling it could be. Obviously for Kansas City, obviously what they have done, winning the uh, Super Bowl last year, going to the Super Bowl back in 2020, uh, they've just been a dominant team for years. Uh, think about this with Patrick Mahomes. He has been the starting quarterback for six seasons. He will be played and starting in his sixth straight AFC championship game. You just can't say enough about what Patrick Mahomes, what Andy Reid, what that team has done. Obviously, the Detroit Lions, right? This is the first time they'll be in the NFC championship game since 1991. But it's interesting when you look at the San Francisco 49ers. They are a team that despite being in the NFC championship game the last three years, or actually the last two years, this now be their third, they haven't won the Super Bowl since Coach Pride, Deion Sanders, was the quarterback for that team in 1994. So they have a lot of things that they want to definitely go after. And then the Baltimore Ravens. What else you got to say about the Ravens, right? Number one team in the NFL. They've been able to dominate a lot of teams this year. And so this is a great opportunity for them. But they're hosting um, a, champion, a conference championship game for the first time since 1971 where they're the Baltimore Colts. So a lot of great storylines overall. It really is uh, for for people who appreciate football history. Uh, you know, Kansas City in the early years of uh, the Super Bowl era uh, was almost always a factor in the first five six years of the Super Bowl yeah. era. Hank Stram's great in the, teams. In the first two, in Kansas yeah. City, mm-hmm. uh, Baltimore uh, was in the '60s a, a championship game loser. Uh, not like the 58-59 championship teams of Weeb Eubank in the 60s. Uh, they lost in 64 to Cleveland, and uh, they uh, lost uh, famously in the 68 Super Bowl, uh, it, uh, Super Bowl three to Namus Jets, and still a game that people regard as one of the great upsets of all time. Mm-hmm. And it, 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 I, I watched, and I'm sure you've watched these uh, two Americas game uh, NFL Films, uh, annual uh, salute to the champion and profiles uh, the championship team every year. And the most fascinating one to me was the Baltimore Colts of 1970 when winning <laughs> brought them no joy because all week they had to listen to all the championship games they blew to inferior teams. And Shula wasn't a coach there anymore. Uh, the easy rider, Don McCafferty, was the head coach of that Colts team mm-hmm. in what was probably the most poorly played Super Bowl of all time, featuring an aging over-the-hill John Unitas who got hurt during that game, and Craig mm-hmm. Morton, who was as terrible as he's ever been 
uh, in in a Super Bowl, even worse than he was here with the Broncos yeah. against Dallas in, in 77. still stands for uh, interceptions you know, in a Super yeah, Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, he was yeah. worse, and that's it, because they were the better team. They should have won the game, and they blew yeah. it. Uh, Baltimore won it, but it was the least joyous of championship seasons for the Colts because they they knew it wasn't their best team that won it. They kind of fluked their way into it, and when they had the chance with better teams, they won it. It was some form of redemption for Earl Morrow. But anyway, that's a long way of yeah. saying you really have to go back to 71 to find a Baltimore team in this kind of position. And the Ravens recently, uh, up until this year, had the reputation, and yes, Lamar Jackson too, of being failures in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And for good reason, because what's the one thing that we can all say about Lamar Jackson that really was his Achilles heel? It was the turnovers, and that was specifically him fumbling the ball away. I remember his first playoff game against the Chargers, and he had maybe four or five fumbles in that game. It was just ridiculous how he was giving up the football, but he's now been able to go and protect the football now. And you look at this Ravens team, they're a team that really controls the clock. I'm looking at last week, and I'm, I'm thinking to this team, and I go over the stats, and I say, okay, Lamar Jackson, if you talk about a guy who's everybody says is going to be the MVP, he has to be able to have at least some sort of gaudy passing numbers, right? When you look at him, there's only been two guys this season that actually went over 100 yards receiving this season. Zay Flowers once against the Cincinnati Bengals, and then you look at Odell Beckham. That's it. <laughs> like only yeah. two times. Yeah. Every other time, it's been about this team running the football, controlling the clock, and also getting turnovers as well on defense. They've just been a dominant team overall. Blew out the Dolphins. Blew out the 49ers on the road. Blew out the Lions earlier this season. Took care of the Texans last week. Kansas City is Kansas City because they have Patrick Mahomes and they will always be in every game. But they better be careful because if they find themselves losing this game early, it'll be very difficult for them to come back in this one. And don't forget on Christmas Day, of course, the Ravens also beat the Niners in San Francisco mm-hmm. as well. So, I mean, I think mm-hmm. you can definitely lay claim to them being the best team in the league, and we know that they're extraordinarily well coached. But the the one, you, you brought up the clock man, management there, but the, the one quarterback that I look at that seems to be clock immune actually is Patrick Mahomes. We saw right. a couple of years ago with the 13 seconds of getting up enough to tie a game. I mean, th- this is a guy that has ice water in the veins when things are late and, and whether it's by running, whether it's by passing, whether it's by finding some way to get creative and be, you know, diving and throwing at sidearms. Uh, Patrick Mahomes seems to be that guy that mm-hmm. he just sort of looms as the villain in an 80s horror movie, right? You think he's dead. No, he's not. Do you think he's uh, Drowned in the lake. Nope, he comes out of the lake. I mean, he's that kind of guy. You just can't get rid of him. Well, he reminds me a lot of Tom Brady when um, the Patriots came here in 2015 because you knew that the Broncos' defense was dominant, one of the best ever in NFL history, right? Proved to be that. But even with that, you kind of knew, okay, you got to go and beat this guy. Like, he, it, was, it was down for the last drive, guys. It was down with, you know, the Broncos only won that game by two. Like, that's what the Ravens are going to have to do. They're going to have to go and get after Patrick Mahomes. They're going to have to hit him over and over and over again. And they're going to have to beat him in this game. And it's going to be very difficult. But here's the one thing that I see for the Ravens that makes me very encouraged about them are the linebackers. Their linebackers are just ridiculous. Patrick Queen, uh, you have Malik Harrison, Roquan Smith. You have guys who are just all over the place, getting after the quarterback, making it tough for Isaiah Pacheco to be able to run. They are just very good, and they can cover as well. 
So when you have a team that's able to do so many different things, it makes it difficult for Kansas City, even though, look, they have one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. Detroit's story has to be the most fascinating, though, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. From 0-16 in 2008, a team for whom Dan Campbell played, although he was basically hurt the entire year, he was around it, and then to come back. 15 years after that disaster with Dan Campbell as a head coach. Mm-hmm. And there was a wonderful story today, I think on ESPN.com, uh, kind of a, a, a sort of round table uh, group of players from that team who were reminiscing about that year and so happy all of them for Dan Campbell, but also the Lions players, that th- this is kind of a redemption tour for the Lions, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It for really all is of the thing. failures of years past, and especially for 0-16. Now, I understand Cleveland later on went 0-16, but in 2008, no team had ever gone 0-16. But you know what? what's interesting about the Lions? And... Not to talk about the Broncos, but you know we can't do a segment without talking about the Broncos. The Lions have grit. They have an identity. You know what they are. They have their quarterback at Jared Goff. They have a guy who is a dual-threat running back who can run, who can catch the ball at Jamar Kids. They have a short yardage running back at David Montgomery. They have yeah. a guy out of Mars State, right? They have guys who are going to go out there and do what they need to do, right? You have your tight end, too, who's a rookie, right, who's doing great work as well. Absolutely. LaPorta. What are the Broncos? Yeah, LaPorta. But what are the Broncos? Like, if you sat <laughs> right now and said... Broncos don't have a tight end. They don't, they don't, they don't do tight a, ends. They don't have a tight end. They don't have a quarterback. I think you could there. come out and play tight end for the Broncos, and it would be a major upgrade. Not only that, but I'll take the check in a heartbeat, okay? Look, <laughs> I, I'll pull my hamstring, too, if you need me to, all right, Broncos? I know how to do that to make a good check. But, but the point is this, when I think of the Lions, is that they are set up for the long term. They're not just set up for a playoff run this year. They are set up as a team that is going to be good for years to come because they have uh, they have an identity. They know who they are, and you know what? They have a great opportunity to go to San Francisco and win this game. Um, It'll be tough because the 49ers are a very good team, and Debo Samuel's being back is going to be huge for the 49ers. But I tell you what, it would not shock me if Jarrett Goff leads this team into the Bay Area and pulls out a W. I agree. See, I, I think a lot of people think this is a foregone conclusion, but there's the other advantage, too, with the, the, the Lions maybe have. The Niners, uh, Sandy talked about it. You know, you've talked about, you've talked about how long it's been since they've actually won. They've been at the cusp here. I mean, they keep getting so close. And, 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 it's, and it's hard to get over the top at times, and now there, there's a lot of pressure that mounts thinking that this needs to be when they get it done. Uh, they're at home. They're expected to win. They're touchdown favorites. If you're the Lions, you're like, yeah, they're, we're the Lions. Nobody expects us to be here. But mm-hmm. they, but it's not an accident. They're legitimate. We know they're legitimate. They get to play with the proverbial house money. And if they lose, and if they lose by three touchdowns, nobody's going to talk about how the Lions blew it. It right. doesn't matter. And so when, when you, you've, you've played, when you have that opportunity to realize no one is really picking us to win, how free and clear can you really play? It's free and clear, but you're also more focused, too, because you know that everybody, you know, people are picking you, right? You know that people are, okay, they're doubting you. And so because people are doubting you, you look for those different opportunities to be able to win. I didn't play in this game. Um, I was done with football by this time, but it reminds me a lot of when CU played Oklahoma in 2007, 
And by that time, Oklahoma was the third-ranked team. Sam Bradford had so much talent. And CU was able to go and win that game on a last-second field goal, 27-24. to 24. And the main reason why I remember that game is because even though I wasn't playing, I still had great relationships with guys on the roster. And they talked about how they knew that they weren't even viewed to even be in this game at all. But they focused in. They knew what they had to do and had a great game plan. You can say the same thing about what the Detroit Lions have. They're going to have a great game plan. They're going to have things put together. And this is a battle-tested team that knows how to get it done. You have a quarterback that got to the Super Bowl, right, that took the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl. You have that guy on your roster. You have other guys as well who know what to do in order to get the job done. Your head coach is a guy who used to play in the NFL who brings that passion, brings that intensity, is a leader of man to be able to go and help you out on the road. And so this is something where the Lions can be able to go and get the job done. And, again, it wouldn't shock me, but if I'm the 49ers guy, I'm not focused on Christian McCaffrey. I'm not focused on Brock Purdy. It's not even Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk has to show up. I didn't see him last week, guys. Did you hear him? I didn't hear his name called much. He's well, the guy I, I, think, I think with Samuel out, uh, that, that affects him. Then the opposing uh, secondary can focus its attention yeah. on Ayuk, uh, 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 who in a big play sense is probably even more dangerous than Kittle would be would be but the the missing ingredient for them last week i thought was samuel i mean i yeah. i know his who, numbers who expected don't match. to play now as well well yes he's yeah. not only expected to play he will yeah. play he, he's he been cleared today i know right. that's a shock to you justin that, uh, <laughs> samuel's cleared to play there, there's never any doubt last week once they determined there was no fracture there was never any doubt that he'd play uh, you no. don't you don't run with his shoulder. I know his shoulder's important, uh, pass receiver and all that, and I, I'm sure he won't be 100. percent But he'll he'll be good enough. And I, I'm looking at this San Francisco team, and it, don't you have the sense? I and and I agree with you guys. I, I think Detroit has more than a puncher's chance to mm-hmm. win this game. Mm-hmm. But San Francisco got its bad game out of the way. Yeah. It feels like it. It does. You know, that was the game they could have lost and probably considered the possibility very seriously themselves in the fourth quarter as they were trailing in that game and knew they had to have that touchdown drive right then and there in order to win the game. And even at that point, they had to make uh, some very good plays defensively, big stops in order to secure the victory. And I think they'll play better. I think they'll be looser tomorrow, and I I think or Sunday, and and Samuel's return will help them, and it will help Ayuk in particular. Uh, you have yeah. thoughts on that? No, I agree. Even if it's just him being a decoy, right? Respect, right. We're right. going to give you the ball a couple of times. You'll be a decoy. Allow the other guys to be able to get open. Here's the one thing about the Lions: if there's one thing that you can't attack. It's their pass defense, right? And they have one of the, I would say one of the worst, but when you look at the teams that are remaining, it's, it's not the great. Worst. Yeah. It's not great. It's, it, not great. It, it's the worst for the teams that are remaining. Right. But you're, you're the final four, so congratulations, right? But that is one place that you could go and attack them is in the passing game. My thing for this, though, is will Kyle Shanahan not fall in love with the passing game? Will he say, we need to run the football? We need to stick to this? Or will he get himself in trouble and try to fall in love with that running game? This game actually just came up in my mind, and I don't know why. But this kind of reminds me a little bit of Broncos and Jacksonville in 96. When I talk about somebody 
who could possibly fall in love with the pass game, you have Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. I know you got all these other different pieces and everything, but Kyle Shanahan, do not run away. Literally, do not run away from giving Christian McCaffrey that uh, football in a game like but this. But hasn't the knock on Kyle been that he's conservative uh, and, and exceedingly so in, in terms of his game management? Uh, certainly in Super Bowl games, that's been the knock. Um, uh, in a couple of Super Bowls, one as an assistant, as a coordinator, and one as a, a head coach. And even last week when he kind of shut it down at the end of the first yeah. half, just ran the ball, got got cautious, and they end up getting a 48-yard field goal blocked. And he comes yeah. away with nothing. Sandy, I see what you're talking about. There's a difference between being conservative, right, shutting down your offense, and there's also a place where you get out of character, right? You're not the type of team with Brock Purdy where you should be throwing the ball more than 35 times. Period. You should be a team that's running the football. But it's what you do in the passing game that makes it count. Are you doing those play-action passes? Are you throwing the ball on screens to Christian McCaffrey? Are you going to give us some you know, run options and everything to Debo Samuel? Are you able to go five Brendan Ayuk on deep passes? Are you able to go and fire your tight end right, on deep overs and things like that to be able to go and move the football? Those are the variety and the type of things that you have to see. Because, again, I even go back a couple of years ago when uh, the 49ers played against the Rams in an NFC championship game. And you had Jimmy Garoppolo as the quarterback. They had every opportunity in the fourth quarter to be able to win that game, and they weren't able to go and get the job done. That's what this is all about in yeah. this game. Well, it's all about well, the 49ers finishing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, though, that they got a little conservative. And maybe yeah, yeah. with Garoppolo, maybe there was a reason for it. Well, uh, I, I think with Purdy, Purdy didn't play well last week. But they've got to trust Purdy. I, 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 I agree with you 100% on that point. When they do pass, they've got to trust Purdy. Yeah. And and uh, that doesn't mean having them throw 35 or more times. Yeah, 39 in the, in the win last week, right? Yeah. But, it, it, you know, it, the thing about last week, it, it was uncharacteristic. They, they haven't, they've either been blowing out teams or been blown out. They hadn't been right. in a game like that where they trailed in the fourth quarter. And uh, I was texting with Mike Shanahan earlier uh, this week, and he was saying, yeah, a little hard on the old heart because they, they hadn't been in that situation. They were unproven. Green Bay had been in that situation a bunch of times. Green Bay was yeah, started two long. and five. Right. They were playing playoff games after week seven. So, uh, you know, I, I agree with you on that, though. They, yeah. they, they, I don't think they ever trusted Garoppolo. I don't think Kyle ever trusted him, and they've got to trust Purdy. In, in this bye bye. game. And and part of pus, uh, trusting Purdy is that he'll make the big plays. You don't have to have him throw 40, 45 times. Uh, that he'll make the big plays when he had to. And on that final drive, he was great. He was, he, yeah, he, he was. was. He was able to go get the ball to where it needs to be. And that's the way you got to get the job done. By the way, uh, Sean, I don't know if you realize this, but did you just hear how Sandy just name dropped on the show, by the way? Oh, yeah. I've just texted well, I've done it before this week. No, Come I've done on. it before. <laughs> I was I've name dropped before this week. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, Justin and I just text each other, ask about things. <laughs> it's totally but uh, so, do you want to? Do you want to make? Uh, do you want to make some picks? You feeling bold enough? I am feeling bold enough. Okay, yeah. the All floor right. is yours, sir. AFC Championship game is going to be a fantastic game. You have two of the best defenses in the NFL. When you look at points per game in a regular season, Baltimore um, number one, Kansas City number two. I see this as an extremely close game. 
but give me the Ravens to get the W in the end in this one. I'll say something like 24 to 21. This could even be a 20 to 17 type game, guys. So sure. I see this as a very, very tight game. Like On the opposite side, I'm going to go with the upset. I really believe that the Detroit Lions have this kind of Cincinnati Bengals feel where they haven't been able to be in a situation in a while. They have a hot quarterback. They have two really good running backs. You have your tight end. You have your wide receiver. But I say this is what's going to be the difference. Aiden Hutchinson will have two um, will have two sacks in this game. Both sacks will be in major places in this ball game. I will go with the Detroit Lions to squeak past the 49ers. Give me my 31 and 27 win for the Lions. We're going to have a fantastic Super Bowl. Well, I would give you my prediction there. The Baltimore Ravens. They're going to win this bad boy. Well, they, you didn't ask for it. But I'm giving it yeah, to they've you. looked like the best team all year. We will certainly yeah. see. He is Justin Adams over at CBS News Colorado. Make sure you give him a follow on social at Justin Adams TV. Justin, always good to talk to you. Enjoy the games, and I'm sure we'll touch base before the Super Bowl. Guys, always a blessing. And Sandy, you know what? I'm going to go and get off the phone and just name drop. I'm going to go and text, you know, somebody say, let me go and, you know, maybe see if uh, Terrell Davis. We'll go and answer back my text. Yeah. I don't have his number. You're just surprised I anyway. knew how to text. Yeah, but you know, we're, well, <laughs> that's, that's where you're just surprised. <laughs> that's the most surprising. But, but, you know, you can just do what I do, Justin. I can just say, yeah, my friend was man, it was texting Mike Shanahan. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to name drop Sandy. You can just skip and go to Mike Shanahan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> have a good Guys, weekend. Be blessed, y'all. All right, take care. Justin Adams joining us. Uh, it obviously is going to be a really fun week of football. We'll have our predictions in a little bit, but. Uh, tonight, the Colorado Avalanche have a big game against the Los Angeles Kings, trying to follow up against their tremendous performance at, at against Washington. Easily, I think, their best overall game this year. We'll find out if they can keep it going. We'll take a look at the Avs and the Kings and hear a little bit from Jared Bednar about his all-star, that's right, all-star goaltender next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. The Avalanche have won three of their last four games. In those three games, they have scored a total of 20 goals. Uh, the Avs offense seems to be rounding into form. They got both Number Arturi, one goal yeah. scoring team in the league. They got Arturi Lekkanen back in their last game. They got Bo Byram back in their last game and the result was a 6-2, to two, well pun intended to a certain extent, avalanche over Washington who just could do nothing to deny Nathan McKinnon. But interesting to note by the way, in a, a lot of these games, the Avs are still looking for a backup goaltender. Only in one game, the win over Ottawa since December 16th, has anybody but Alexander Georgiev started in net? Eustace Ananen started in that win over Ottawa. Georgiev, we've talked about it here, has had a inconsistent year in some ways, but he leads the league in wins. Now, that's because he's also playing a heavy number, and he was rewarded with his first All-Star 
appearance. So he will be a, an all-star this year. He has played 40 games, right. 39 as a starter, and one when yep. they pulled Prozvitov. We all remember that. Yeah, the and last it, game Prozvitov's played. didn't necessarily get a lot better when Georgiev came in. Uh, the Avalanche came back, tied the game, and lost 8-4, right? That was the Florida game. Correct. And earlier this week, even though the, the goaltending situation is in a – it's not in – I would say it's – not in disarray, certainly not in flux because it's just Georgiev. But the Avs will look in, need to look into that for sure. But Brett and I had a chance to talk about uh, the fact that, look, one way or another, whether you think it's too many games or not, you got the guy that's leading the entire NHL in wins. That means something. Brett and I had a chance to talk about Georgiev earlier this week. So, you know, he's taken a lot of criticism. He's had some ups and downs in the seasons. He's been battling through it mentally, physically. He's been playing a lot for us. But at the end of the day, he's leading the league in wins, I think, still, and starts, I'm sure. And, and um, you know, we're in a pretty good spot in the standings, and he's certainly a big part of that. So I love it when our guys get rewarded for their dedication and hard work. I, I think that we could have more guys at the All-Star game, but, you know, they're going to get representation from all the teams, and he's a guy that, in my opinion, still deserves to be there. No other goaltenders in the top nine in wins have higher goals against than Georgiev's 2.95 per game. But does Bednar have a point that, Maybe don't worry so much about the stats. We're in a good place in the standings, and this guy's been our netminder. Uh, that's the part that matters. We're getting Ws. The stats are a mixed bag. If you like wins and you like shutouts, he's a top 10 goaltender this year. He's top 10 in both and by a lot, by the way. I mean, it's, he's not lingering ninth or 10th. He's first in wins, as Bednar mentioned. He is... Uh, Tied for seventh, seventh in shutouts, shutouts with multiple shutouts Correct. this year. Uh, yes, 2.95 goals against, 32nd. 897 save percentage, tied for 41st. But as we did a couple of weeks back, let's look at that 897 and remember that his former teammate in New York, the guy who beat him out for the goaltending job, Shesterkin, as they say, percentage of 901. Who's not that different from 897. The best young goaltender in the league. Okay. Period. Right. Vasilevsky, who future, is part of Hall two of straight Stanley Cup champion teams in Tampa, he's at 9-0-0. Right yep. Okay? So if you're going to tell me that there's, uh, well, Shesterkin's got, you know, out of, Every thousand, he saves four more than yeah, uh, exactly right. out of every okay, thousand. So what? <laughs> out of every thousand, Vasilevsky saves three more than Georgiev. Uh, Georgiev's team is better than the Rangers and better than Vasilevsky. And I'm not saying that they're better because of them. They're better because they have Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and Miko Rantanen. And the Rangers don't have any of those three guys, and Tampa doesn't have any of those three guys. Uh, you look at the simple rating system for hockey. Right. Go to Hockey Reference. You'll find it. Mm -hmm. The Avs are number seven. I think they're better than that. Yeah, I do, but too. But the Rangers in first place in the Metro are 11th. Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky's team, third place in the Atlantic, 
number 14. I'll take 7 over 11 and 7 over 14 and say whatever edge the Rangers might have in goal over the Avalanche this year, whatever edge Tampa may have in goal over Georgiev and the Avalanche this year, it's minuscule and more than outweighed by the Avalanche having those three players I mentioned and those other teams not having any one player who's even close, save for Kucherov, and that's just in scoring. And I, I That's think just you, in scoring. As an all-around player, he isn't one of the five, maybe not one of the ten best players in the league because he doesn't check. He doesn't check his luggage. He, he's a pure <laughs> scorer, and that's all he does. He's a minus player for a third-place team, and McKinnon has been massively a plus player oh. for half a decade now. Yeah, I mean, massively the, a plus and, player. And maybe that's the point. Look, it, it is less about when you're talking about the goaltender situation, and I think that this is kind of where you're getting at. And Kucherov, by the way, because, you know, he played actually surpassed McKinnon and is now one point ahead of him in the, in the scoring totals, but, you know, whatever. The, the part of it, I guess, is because they have the roster they have in front of Georgiev, much like the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup with Darcy Kemper in net. Who, by the way, has far worse numbers right. than Georgiev. Well, and, and, you know, wasn't even tremendous during the Avs Cup run. Was just right. good enough. Georgiev was much better last year in the playoffs than Kemper had been. Kemper played on a team that had Landeskog, and Georgiev has never to played me, a single it's, game it's with less Landeskog. about how, how Georgiev is playing, because he is clearly in the good enough category. It is more about finding someone that Bednar will trust to make sure that Georgiev is not fatigued when the playoffs start. Exactly. To me, that's what it is, not the stats. I, you know, if he finishes the year at 2.95, that, that's not all that good. But Bednar had it right. Look, the team in, we got the team in front of him. He's He answers. He the top scoring. And there's a value the to a goaltender that, I and I think the other players recognize it, there's value to a goaltender that answers the bell every night. And he goes out there because, you know what, that is what's required when you get into the playoff times. And, and Georgiev does that. And you don't hear him complaining about fatigue. And you don't hear him complaining about getting subbed in and, and end up taking the loss uh, when Prozvatov gets pulled because that's the way it works. Uh, he's a more mature guy than he was last year. And he's fully aware he's carrying a heavy load. The Avalanche are fully aware he's carrying a heavy load. And I think that's why they understand we don't really care about his stats. We're getting the W's. He's there. He's providing at least a stability, even if it's not elite goaltending. And stop acting like the Avs are the only team in need of goaltending help. Oh, well, you just rolled over a bunch of teams. Carolina, desperate for a goaltender. Edmonton winning 15 in a row almost as desperate for a goaltender because they know when the playoffs come along, they don't have the goaltending goods to win the Stanley and Cup. And that's especially he's King, not gassed by that. And that's that part of that. Cam Talbot's had a great year. They don't have a backup. Quick's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. New Jersey, in desperate need of goaltending help. So the, the they're Avs, just trying to hang on for playoff the, spots. Right, yeah. right. And the, and the Avs are going to make the playoffs whether they make a trade for a backup goaltender or not. And they're probably going to finish uh, with a better uh, record than the team they play in the first round of the playoffs. I know Dallas is close. I get that. And in the SRS measurement, Dallas was rated fifth to the Avalanche seventh. But they played the same number of games. 
The Avalanche have won two more games. Uh, Dallas is 7-2-1 in its last 10. Winnipeg 7-2-1. The Avs 7-3. It's a great race. It's the only race among three teams in the four divisions that make up the National Hockey League that's close. How or as close is it as that? To get this game tonight over the Kings, who had a, a red heart, uh, hot start and cooled off, but they're still not a, a bad team. But the Avalanche, after this game, go on the road for six. Uh, they go to the, the Rangers, then the Devils, then uh, Now, that's the after the break. Right. Uh, yeah, it's after yeah. the break. But, I mean, you, you want to get – Oh, it's a tough trip. This is, this oh. is kind of a big win because you, you start after the break now with a long – difficult road trip that isn't i mean it basically just goes all along the east coast you're going from new york to tampa bay and and florida uh on on this this next trip right after the the break so i look at this game and think you know especially when you're you're trying to hold pace with the jets that they're tied in points but they have a couple of games in hand the jets do ahead of them this feels like a game the abs really it's not decisive well but it's important it's important and the kings aren't a good team and you're right at home now. The Kings, you know, Rob Blake had to give a vote of confidence to Todd McClendon That's last week. And, and the Kings, remember earlier in the year, they hadn't played a lot of games, and they were right there with Vancouver and Vegas. Well, now, actually, Edmonton has games in hand on the Kings, and Edmonton's four points ahead of them. And, oh, by the way, has won 15 straight games, which used to be the record. Uh, I don't think it is anymore, but I covered – the Colorado Hockey Rockies in 1982, when the New York Islanders, oh, like, I know in the, the midst of a dynasty, were going for their 15th straight win in Uniondale at the old Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum against the Rockies and got it and had the record at that time for consecutive wins, not games unbeaten, consecutive right. wins at 15. Oilers just ran off 15. Uh, in a row like nobody's business. That is now the uh, the third longest streak, but that the Kings, Islander streak. Right. The Kings are 2-5-3 and three in their last 10 games. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really wobbly. Although the one the one part of their, their schedule that looks good is they have been good on the road, 14-5-3. and three. Their That's home record, 8-9-6, and six, is a disaster. Well, the Avalanche crushed them opening yeah, night. Yeah, I mean, they're a mess at home. So it does feel like the one the Avs have to get. Edmonton, by the way, uh, two wins away from tying the 92-93 Penguins. They yeah. have the record at 17. The Blue Jackets in 2016-2017 were the first team to hop over that Islanders squad in, uh, and to get to yeah. 16. But we will see because the, uh, the, the Oilers Blue Jackets, are rolling. Huh? The Blue Jackets, yep. Back in that 2016-17, a 16-win streak. So for the Avalanche, it, it, it does feel like a big game. We'll see if they get that. Of course, we'll have a chance to talk about that on Monday. But it is championship weekend. The two Super Bowl teams will be decided. We will be back with our picks next on Mile High Sports. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. It's another cold day in Colorado. You get a little bit of snow out there on a Friday, and if you're thinking of selling your home, you're like, ah, it's too cold. Well, no, it's not. It's not. 
You know, when you're talking about uh, uh, selling your home, I have the answer for that because there's still an opportunity when you're talking about the cold weather. That's my friends Dave and Mark at Key Real Estate Group's Colorado Luxury Home Team. It's not Luxury Home Team because you have to go buy a luxury home, although certainly you can, and if you're in the market of buying or selling one, good for you, but it means you get that high-end luxury service whether you're buying or selling. But you're thinking about selling your home right now, and the idea is it's too cold. Well, that's not really the case. Remember, inventory is still low around the Denver metro area, obviously, so the homes that are priced right are still selling fast. Let Dave and Mark give you a free valuation. You need experience and stability, and that's what they provide. Key Real Estate Group is as steady as it gets. Privately held company, 25 years even in the same offices. And even though you think about those winter months aren't a good time to sell, you could be mistaken because the buyers in the winter months tend to be more serious. They're ready to move now. So there's no reason for you to wait. Let Dave and Mark represent you to make sure you're getting everything you deserve. Call Dave and Mark at the Key Real Estate Group today at 720-900-LIST. That's 720-900-LIST. Or visit them today at keyrealestategroup.com. It is NFL Championship Weekend. We'll know who the Super Bowl teams are on Monday. And, uh, Sandy, when you look at the way these games shake out, I, I quite frankly, and this seems a little bit weird, I, I'm, I'm a man of two minds. We'll let you know some of the, the basics here. Mark Andrews will be back for the Ravens. He'll be active. Uh, for the Chiefs, Joe Tooney will be out. That's a major loss for them at guard. There are a ton of players questionable. Of course, Isaiah Pacheco for the Chiefs. One of them, but let's start with the Ravens and the Chiefs. I feel in many ways the same way I did last week when I picked the Chiefs to beat the Bills, simply because I have seen this movie before with Travis Kelsey and with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Chris Jones and Nick Bolton and Jerry Sneed. This is a veteran team that has gone through all the playoff battles, and I, I don't really like picking against them, but boy. All year long, this Ravens team, if not, you don't quite say juggernaut, but they have won. They've won close games. They've won blowouts. They've won on the road. Against good they've teams, won they've won blowouts. They have won when Lamar Jackson's been running. They've won when Lamar Jackson has not been I running. I mean, they killed Detroit. They killed San Francisco, the two so NFC finalists. On the road, in San Fran's case. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think it will be close, and I do think that, Patrick Mahomes and the and the the Chiefs will be extremely hard to beat, but I just don't, quite frankly, see any holes on this Ravens team. There there are no holes. Everything's good. Their special teams, of course, John Harbaugh is the head coach. Special teams, of course, good. They have the best kicker in the history of the NFL in playoff games. That matters. These games are tight, and, and uh, Lamar Jackson is not only playing phenomenal football. As a runner and as, and as a passer, but it's his ability, especially in the style in which he plays, to take care of the ball and avoid turnovers, to me, that has made him the best player in the league. I just think this year it's been harder for Kansas City, much harder in the postseason, based on the fact that with Mahomes at quarterback, they never had to play a road game. In the playoffs. Until last week. Until last week. And now they got to play another one. And Baltimore is so tough that when they lost games this year, you were surprised. And sometimes they have a tendency to beat themselves. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been in championship games the way Kansas City has been in recent years. I understand all that. But I just look at Baltimore and I 
it's a brick wall. But, there's there, there's yeah. nothing you can attack uh, easily there. Now, could a special teams play by Kansas City that comes about unexpectedly change the tenor of the game? Could the bow take funny bounces? Yeah, possible. Uh, Kansas City is going to play a solid game on Sunday. It's it's the early game or the early-er of the two games. Right. So 1 p.m. after start right. on CBS. Baltimore's a four-point favorite. I think that's about right. Uh, I think on a neutral field, Baltimore would be the pick. However, slightly, they'd be the pick, uh, even given Kansas City's resume as a championship contender for many, many years, really ever since Patrick Mahomes started a season as the starting quarterback. They've been a Super Bowl threat and twice a Super Bowl champion. Um, I, I, I just have Baltimore as the team in the fourth quarter that I think right now will rise to the occasion. Uh, they're a terrific team. They're well coached. They have two coordinators who, you know, could still, I suppose, either one, if not both, be candidates for head coaching Certainly. jobs. There's still a couple openings. Certainly. And it seems like maybe those teams are waiting to talk to what, the Baltimore guys to see what happens. I totally agree and that in that's any part case, of what's happening. I think they can talk to them next week, even if Baltimore wins, because you have the two-week break right. before the Super Bowl. I'll take Baltimore 26 to 20. I will take Baltimore as well. I think it'll be a little higher. I think it's going to be 27-24, but I will take Baltimore. Get this. I'll give you two numbers before we leave. Baltimore in their four losses this season, this season, were outscored by a total of 19 points. And could have easily 19 won. 19 points. In the two, two or three of those four. Games in which they played the two teams that we'll be talking about in the next game, Detroit and San Francisco. Yes. They outscored them by 46 that's the kind of team we're talking That's about the kind of with the Baltimore Ravens. So we both like the Ravens. Now we'll move over to the uh, NFC Championship game, the Lions at the 49ers. Of course, Sandy, you've been on the 49ers all year. I think there have been some vulnerabilities at times, but I'm, I'm guessing that you really still like the Niners in this one. Yeah, I do. And, um, again, San Francisco favored by seven. Uh, the, the, the strength of, of the Lions is that they're resilient. Um, they're in a sense playing with house money, as you pointed out accurately, uh, a little while ago, (laughs) anything outside of, you know, a shellacking by 30 or 40 points, (laughs) there's no shame in losing for the lions. No, there might be a degree of shame in losing for the 49ers. And I think that will be motivating for them. The lions are 13 and six against the spread this year. The only team better was the Raiders at 12 and five. Uh, overs, 12-7 and seven in Lions games, 49ers 9-9 nine and nine against the spread, 10-8 and eight on overs. There are going to be some points in this game. I think more points in this game than in the AFC I game. I agree with you. And this will be, I think this will be high scoring. I think it will be close. I think San Francisco will get a couple scores late and win 34-20, but it won't be a rout. And Detroit will hang in the game, I believe, for at least three quarters. I, I don't yeah. think they'll be ahead in the fourth the way Green Bay was last week, but I think they'll hang tough. 
I, I like that as well. I feel somewhat similarly. I do think that the Niners will win this, and I think they will win it by double dig- digits. But I agree with you. I think it'll be double digits because the game will kind of get out of hand late. Late. I think it's going to be a, a fight, and I think it may end up being that the Lions certainly have the ability to be explosive. They have great running backs. They have a phenomenal rookie tight end in Sam Laporta that in most years would be the runaway rookie of the year and probably has no chance at this point. It's C.J. Uh, Stroud. Amon Ross St. Brown has become one of those wide receivers that is essentially clutch. and essentially clutch. unguardable. Uh, there's only so much you can do in with him. In the clutch, he is. Even if he's well covered, he makes the big plays in the clutch. So I, I think the Lions have enough to make this interesting, but I think that the Niners are are they're battle-tested. I and think they're, they're going to be tighter. healthy. Yes. Reasonably the only healthy. thing is if the Niners make some mistakes early, for example, Brock Purdy in the last game uh, threw what should have been a pick six that was yeah. dropped to, by the Packers. A mistake like that early would give the Lions a much bigger chance. But if the, the Niners just play their game early on, I think they'll win by double digits. I think they will, too. I agree with you. This game is higher scoring. Uh, I will probably say it's 31-21 or 31-24. But, but, yeah, I like, on the same page. I like the Niners as well. So uh, we'd be looking at uh, a Ravens-Niners Super Bowl. But I think both of these games are going to be wildly entertaining at times. And it would not shock me if we're here Monday – and the Super Bowl was the Detroit, Chiefs versus Kansas the Lions. City. Yeah, it would not be a shocker. It absolutely would not. Thanks to all of you for listening. Thanks to Justin Adams from CBS News Colorado joining us, of course. Uh, Justin Adams TV on social. If you missed any part of the program, you can go to MyLifeSports.com or the free MyLifeSports app, which is what you should just grab anyway. Like I said, one, it's free. And two, you can listen to everything like you're doing right now, right in your pocket and get all the great uh, writing podcasts and all the other programs all right there on the app. Thanks to all of you listened to whether it was HDFM, MileySports.com, or on that app. Thanks to Danny Bailey, who makes every part of this show work. Without him, we've got nothing. Thanks so much, Danny. For Sandy Clough, I'm Sean Drotar. Have a safe and wonderful football weekend because we want you right back here on Monday afternoon on Mile High Sports. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs>